Well, good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron DeMaster, and I'm a pastor here. I've never, and when I say never, for real, I've never started a sermon this way in some 500 or so messages I've done in my life. And it's awkward for me, but there's a reason I'm doing it, so I want you to hang in here with me. But I thought I would kick things off today by talking about me. Uh, you know my name. I'm Aaron. But the things that are important in, my, important in my life, I thought I'd share with you. Um, starting with my wife. Uh, her name's Sydney. Um, she's pretty great most of the time. Uh, but I like her, like, a lot, a lot. I like her a lot. Um, I have two little girls um, with another child on the way, Claire and Eliza. I would do anything for them. I founded and I work here at Centerpoint. Um, it's a pretty good job. Uh, I love mountain biking. Um, you got to go to Bentonville. It's just awesome. It's like the capital of the U.S. for mountain biking. So cool. I have a van camper. Um, sprinter vans are the only way to travel, is, is my opinion. They're just awesome. Um, I love to travel on that note. Um, we've been kind of all over the U.S. We have a few states left to go together as a family. I love the water, like hanging by Lake Michigan or a small lake or or hanging by our Intex pool even at home is like the best to me. It's so relaxing. Uh, I'm really into running right now, building my stamina back up to maybe run a marathon again. Um, I just got into ice baths. Uh, it's been a rush. Like it's just intense pressure, emotion, all of that at once. I'm techie. I'm a Mac user. All things Apple I'm into. Um, I love coffee, and I have multiple brewers, um, but to me, the one on the right there, Chemex is the best. Chemex is king. I'm an avid reader. Two books I've recently read is Mind Shift and The Way by John Mark Homer. They're just really good, really life-changing, at least for me lately. Uh, I love Netflix and stand-up comedy. Two different like uh, stand-ups that I've watched recently are these two. They're, they're hilarious, some of my favorites. Oh, music, music. You gotta listen to Laney or Benjamin Hastings' album is still probably my favorite album. And then Judah, Judah's just got some cool like Christian like angst in, in a sense with it. So it's fun. It's really good stuff. Um, in addition to that, I like reading news articles about politics, but I'm I'm not really a fan of either party right now or either candidate. Uh, I like fine goods uh, on a budget though, right? So I'm a DIYer, um, so I'll build anything. Like this is my dining room table. I wanted it to be awesome, but cheap as possible at the same time. My favorite brands these days are Cool, uh, the sweatshirt, and then Levi's. I'm really into a good Levi jean. And then shout out to TJ's Harbor. Like that's like my favorite restaurant here in, in Fond du Lac. What else do you want to know about me, right? You kind of got a good picture of who I am from all of that, and you have a pretty clear picture of like what I like to do, where I spend my time, what I prioritize, what I think is worth sharing, but also what I think is not. And I skip something, and it's the something that so many of us skip over when we talk with other people or are developing a relationship with people. And it's the thing that has changed my life more than anything else. Any guesses? It's faith and my belief in Jesus. It's the thing as a Christian that changes what I do every day, like how I do it, why I do it, as it should be for every Christian, because Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Giving up our own way every day is an extremely hard task that none of us are perfect at, nor ever will be, 
But rarely, like I just did, rarely do we include our faith, our belief, our religion in what we talk about or share with others. We tend to hold on to our own way, which is thinking, you know, I'm just going to skip thinking or talking about this with this person this time. Or, you know, I'm just going to skip talking about Jesus altogether. But it's usually that way more often than not, right? Even, even when Jesus tells us, and not just tells us, but expects us to be a witness of him. In Acts 1.8 it says, And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. But we don't, right? And, and, or we don't like to. I mean, if you're honest right now, it's true, right? Like when you are with the extended family, or the guys in the league, or, or that friend group, or your coworkers, or the girls get together, we don't witness... Because it's generally taboo, right? How does the saying go? Like, you don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Uh, not that saying, right? Um, but you don't talk about religion and politics with family or friends. Okay, where did that come from? Because it's not from Jesus. We just saw it's actually counter to what Jesus said. Where it comes from, in my opinion, is probably from the general human experience and just like the numerous other people's experience of their Uncle Ben or whoever it is getting real fiery and ruining family dinner because you shared you voted for the other guy or the other policy. Or because or no one wants to upset Grandma by talking about church and her hearing you haven't been to church or read your Bible for weeks, <coughs> months, right? And I think that's part of it, right? It's part of it. But I think in today's time, for many of us, we omit Christianity or our faith from our conversations because you don't want people that you are around to throw a gazillion assumptions on you being a Christian and instantly assume you're this weird religious nut. I say that because I feel it personally. I feel it too. We choose not to share our faith in many circumstances because we don't want to ruin the family gathering, our reputation, or the fun. Instead, what do we do? We hold onto our own way, as that verse said. But you might be saying, or thinking right now, Aaron, it's not really just that. Religion is tied into being something I don't talk about because it can be divisive. It points out different beliefs, different values, different standards. And I just want to keep the peace. I just want to keep the peace with family. And, and Jesus, Jesus doesn't want division, does he? He wants us to be peacekeepers. Isn't, isn't there a verse or something like that about that? Like scripture says, blessed are the peacekeepers. Like Matthew 5, 9, like blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers, not a peacekeeper. There's a big difference, right? Jesus wants us to make peace and help people see the way to peace, not keep the peace or just keep everything all light and fun and happy and non-threatening. Jesus wants unity in the church or amongst all Christians, and he wants us to fight for that by being humble and forgiving and loving to each other and staying in it with each other. But he wants unity formed around his ways not culture or what's trendy or what, what's just socially acceptable or, or popular in a particular era. With that, he knows followers of him and non-followers of him will have division. 
Like when we talk about him or live out his ways, he knows it's going to divide us from people who aren't followers of him. But he still expected us to witness. In Matthew 10, it says this, A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Ye, right? That's some of like what could happen because of witnessing. Jesus calls us to publicly witness, or as the series has it written, share our faith. It's the last practice of Jesus that we are talking about in our series, Rooted in Faith. Now, you might be like, thanks for leaving, on, uh, leaving us on that, like, death and betrayal and rebellion, doom and gloom type verse, Aaron. Like, this message is going to be so exciting today. Yay! Not is maybe what you're thinking. I promise, it will get encouraging. We're going to cover Matthew, de- Matthew 10 in more depth and see that Jesus does give us some instruction on how to navigate division and hostility in some of those surrounding verses. Plus, we see Jesus has some skill in evangelizing or sharing the faith that we can use and make it less weird and hostile today. But knowing sharing your faith could cause division or be hard to do isn't really some new news to you, which is why so many of us just don't do it. In the past, we, we've try, maybe tried to share our faith with others, and it completely flopped. Or it caused frustration for us. Or it just wasn't worth the social risk and work, so we stopped. It's kind of how I think we feel about a lot of the practices we've studied in this series. Like engaging with the Bible, praying, worshiping God, raising your family in faith, serving, being a part of a church community, and sharing your faith. Living in regard. This week I said in a recent survey, 4% of people are actually living in regard to biblical practices like these, instructed by Jesus. Even while the number of professing Christians is closer to 63%. So if you're feeling the hesitancy to break the taboo trend of not talking about faith as Jesus tells us to, no, you're not alone. You're not alone. But I, but I personally, I want to be more obedient to Jesus. And I think you do too. So we need to change. So in this series, we've been understanding the why to our struggle, but then the how we can get ourselves to do it. Like, I'm sure many of you, I've struggled with doing them as often as I'd like. But that's why we've taken these two months to talk about getting rooted in our faith with them. Because yes, these are practices Jesus wants from his followers and expected. And yes, they are hard. But unfortunately, they're not something we just will accidentally start doing in our lives. I said this last week too, but I'll say it again. I've never heard someone say, oops, I just started praying every day. How did that happen? Like, I just pray for two hours every day. Or, oops, like, I just happen to get to church every Sunday morning. Like, it just, it just happens. How did I get here? Or, it is so fun to teach my kids about Jesus. You know what is even more fun? Getting them into the car, out of the door at the house, and into the church building on Sundays. That's just so fun. It's my favorite part of, of Sundays. I love doing that. Or I love waking up early and serving on my day off. It is so fun. We don't just accidentally get rooted in these practices. We have to be intentional about them. And how we do that is, and how we implement them for the long term, is consciously choosing to look to God's direction on them, 
listen for his presence within us to guide us and transform us, and then to train with them continually by consciously doing them with our actions. Without these, we will be wavering in faith. A Christian enters into training to be like Jesus. It's not about trying. Training in faith is committing to this journey of be, becoming like Jesus, knowing there's good days and bad days, there, there's times we'll get it right and wrong, but no matter what, continually knowing these are things you need in your life. Trying in faith is simply attempting something, and when it flops, quitting. So today we're resetting our minds on training to be a person who witnesses, not just tries to share God with others. Because it doesn't happen overnight where, where you are just like going to be amazing at sharing your faith and just like love talking about Jesus all the time. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just instantly become like an extroverted person, right, uh, that's all about faith. Apparently there's a running list out there um, of the most extroverted people in film. And uh, here it is. You don't just accidentally become like uh, some of these people on this list, like Spongebob or... Chris uh, from Parks and Rec or Ferris Bueller, like where they're all ready to just socialize and share everything all at once. That's not what happens when you become a Christian. Honestly, what we'll see is like sharing our faith isn't just vocal and talking and being extroverted, but sharing your faith is mainly responding to the internal push from God within to model faith or act on your faith. That's sharing your faith. And it's a giant part of this series because not only did Jesus tell you to be his witness, but when you share your faith, it roots you, it deepens your faith, it builds your confidence, it makes it something that lasts. If you feel you have a weak, uprooted, or just struggling faith right now, witnessing could be the thing that helps strengthen it today. I don't know about you, but for me, like, sharing my faith is not easy at all. But when I do it, I have to rely on God. And, and that moment of reliance, it deepens my connection and relationship with Him. So if you felt this tug to share your faith to your coworkers or your family members or your neighbors or just the people around you and you struggle to actually do it, today's for you. We're going to help you with that. Or if you just don't feel close to Jesus right now or rooted in Him, today is also for you because sharing your faith is a way you can experience a greater closeness to God. So we're going to dive in and look back at Matthew 10 for a bit. Uh, what's happening in this chapter <clears throat> is prior to all this, Jesus has performed miracles and done teaching. He's gathered a following of his 12 disciples, but, but now he's going to send them out to evangelize. Now this is in the middle of Jesus' ministry um, where he wanted to kind of create more buzz about what he's doing in the world. So he tells them as they're about to go out, he gives them some warnings and, and some direction. It says this, Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. So Jesus, he's telling them, head into the village and go to homes. If any household then refuses you to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Now I feel this statement has literally been stolen by so many pop icons. Like, shaking the dust off is like Taylor Swift. Jesus said that. But then Jesus warns them, and he says this. 
Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. I was kind of curious, like, what does that mean, right? Like, shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves? Here are two different descriptions I read that I liked. Uh, it mean, what does shrewd mean? It means to be wise, prudent, and sensible. Frankly, it means that we are aware of what is in our best interest so we don't get taken advantage of. Snakes watch out for themselves and are aware of those who don't have their best interests at heart. What about the dove part? Jesus calls us to not to easy position of being shrewd, understanding of what is the best deal for us, and not being taken advantage of. Well, like a dove, gentle, kind, and not causing harm. It means that we exhibit much of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, kindness, and goodness. Another uh, perspective was on this. As we take the gospel to a hostile world, we must be wise, avoiding the snares set for us, and we must be innocent, serving the Lord blamelessly. Now, who would say they're more like a snake? Who's that? Okay. Um, kind of like this guy. I'm a snake. For those that don't know, like, this is like one of the first viral YouTube videos that got millions of views. And somehow from this, this guy became a stand-up comic. Um, but who's more, of a, more shrewd like a snake? Who would say they're more harmless like a dove? To be honest with you, I'm, I'm more like snake. I'm not proud of that. But what I need to do then is I need to think through my pureness and make sure that I am blameless. Make sure my intentions are pure to balance that statement and direction from Jesus. Like make sure that I do have some innocence to me uh, like a dove. But when you think, those two things are very different, right? And they're almost in conflict. So you need to live in this tension of like, what's maybe too crafty, too strategic, but then also what's too naive, right? When it comes to witnessing and, and making peace. You need to be pure and thoughtful. But Jesus then says this, either way, beware for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will, be, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Ye, that doesn't sound great, right? But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and the unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now, I like the sound of this. Like, as I, as I like, think about this verse or these pass this passage, like, even though I could get in a horrible situation, God can find purpose in all of my situations of life is kind of what it's saying. And P.S., when you're in those moments or get in those moments, we hope that we got there by being blameless, but sometimes we're not, right? So to witness in those situations might be one who's humble or one who's honest or one who is being the one who's seeking forgiveness. Those are still moments and ways we can share the ways of God. But up until this point, hearing all this, I'm guessing I haven't really convinced you to want to, per se, like witness or share your faith. Well, we got one more section we're going to look at, and it gets convincing, but it gets harsher. It says this, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. So, I want Jesus to acknowledge me, don't you? That's pretty convincing. But then it says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. 
I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for, my, for me, you will find it. Yikes. So how do we live this way? How do we stay rooted in this practice when it sounds like, like the social suicide, right? Like losing of our friends and family and close acquaintances. And like, why would we even want to? So what I want to do is I want to break it down a little bit more, starting with kind of the how. Like, how do we get to a spot where we generally start witnessing? And then, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of it too. But how it starts getting yourself to witness and witnessing in general is making sure that Jesus's gospel is number one in your life. Again, the gospel is simply the good news of Jesus or the news that Jesus forgives sins of all mankind for those who believe they need God and choose to follow him. That's the gospel. It's what a Christian believes and it's the best news. But again, many of us feel it's taboo to share. But is it really? I mean, like, think of our society these days and how we live and what we share these days. It seems we're all sharing good news or advocating for something. I want to share a longer reading excerpt uh, from a book that I mentioned, The Way, um, by John Mark Homer. And it says this. Everyone is preaching a gospel. The question is not, are you preaching the gospel? It's, what gospel are you preaching? The gospel of third wave anti-racism or LGBTQI plus pride or democratic socialism or American nationalism or free market capitalism or cold water therapy or intermittent fasting or the keto diet or mindfulness or new wave psychedelics. All of these are gospels. They are messages about where our hope lies, uh, where human history is going, what the dangers are, where salvation is to be found, where we can find community and how to live a good life and become a good person. Everyone is preaching a gospel. Apprentices or followers of Jesus are those who preach his gospel. Now, when we say preach the gospel, all we mean is to tell people about Jesus, announce the good news of Jesus and the availability of life with him in the kingdom of God. Again, this is what all people do, he says. They talk about what they love most, fashion, music, sports, a new TV series. We love Jesus, so we should talk about Jesus. When you hear that, can you think about maybe like what gospel you share the most? Is it like family life is number one or fitness is priority in life or this president candidate leads to salvation or this policy is king and it's going to change everything or this diet's what drives life? We all preach gospels. I mean, you heard me spout off all the things that I'm into to start this message and none of them, none of them are really like bad per se. But are they what I talk about or model or live out or have be part of my life more than the gospel of Jesus? Would you say that's the case for you? Is Jesus' gospel number one in your life? I think that's why in Matthew 10, Jesus, he actually goes into such depth and brutal detail about how doing so is so hard. Of how like it may compete with the gospel of family life which is probably, I, I, I would guess, 
the, for the majority of us, it's the contested gospel to Jesus' gospel, family life, family being priority in life. Um, again, in that, in that passage, he says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Don't forget, like Jesus is absolutely for families. He wants you to love your son or daughter or your parents or your family. But he wants you to love him more. Are you doing that? If so, like, how? Like, and you might be really wondering that. Like, how? How you do that is choosing God's word over what would make your family happy. Whether it be being more generous as a whole instead of holding more for your family. Or making sure you spend time with the Lord instead of just giving those extra minutes or time to your family or your kids. Or serving and investing in your church or your community or an organization instead of just making your home better or renovating things at home all the time, but investing in other things. These are all extremely hard things to do, and I get I'm stepping on some toes as I say these things. And I personally, I, I'm struggling with these myself. But is Jesus' gospel number one? Is it what you model and preach in your life? Don't hear me wrong. Like, your spouse and your family are close, second, priorities. But God needs to be first. Otherwise, you will lead your family in what culture says a family should be or in what your upbringing says family should be. And we share that with our lives over Jesus' gospel. There's a saying, it goes like this. Jesus may be in your heart, but Grandpa is in your bones. Meaning, Christian or not, your upbringing or old ways are hard to break. Do you want an obedient family to God or just a happy family? I want an obedient family, and I hope you do too, because the attempt will root you in faith. And, and a perk of it is I think it brings a healthier family all the same. But it's not just family that competes with the gospel or the number one gospel of Jesus. What other gospel maybe could be competing for that in your life? Competing for your witnessing today? Or what other gospels do you share Recently, I stumbled upon this video. It's made by an organization called I Am Second. And they interviewed the guys from Dude Perfect. They're like the ones that did like the... Dude Perfect is these guys that are just, they're fun. And uh, your kids probably know about them. Um, but what I Am Second does is it makes videos of people sharing how God has impacted their life. How they're, they're second to God. God's number one in their life. And in this three-part, like, it's about 30 minutes long story, um, they have a video of the main guy from Dude Perfect um, and his wife. They're sharing how Dude Perfect actually became priority over their marriage, over their faith, as Christians even, and it wrecked things for them. I'm going to um, give you a little clip of it, but I highly recommend watching it. Again, it's about 30 minutes, and I tried to condense it in like two minutes for you. Um, but check out this video and then watch it at home afterwards. I highly recommend that. Dude Perfect originated back in 2009 at Texas A&M University. We all hit it off pretty quick. We were in a Bible study together. We were playing basketball at the rec. Ended up living together, and we were always competing, always having fun, trying to figure out a game to play. And pretty soon we had this compilation of basketball shots, put it on YouTube, more so just to kind of show our friends. And two days later, Good Morning America somehow got a hold of one of our phone numbers. You know, you started off making these basketball trick shot videos, and then 
we were like, okay, well, if we're gonna make this last, we've gotta diversify our content. As far as the Dude Perfect team goes, we, we tell people we're more like brothers than friends at this point because we spend probably more time with each other than we do our families. I very much had the attitude of, okay, well, we've, we've gotta make hay while the sun's shining because there's no telling how long this opportunity is gonna last. We probably only got another year, maybe two at this, and not sure that I managed it the best as far as a you know, family perspective of making Bethany a priority. I think early on, I put more emphasis and more weight on these dude perfect opportunities and the chances that we had to film with these athletes and celebrities. And I know all the wives are so tired of hearing we've got this once in a lifetime opportunity that we got to take advantage of. And I think early on our families kind of got put on the back burner. Looked at Tyler and I said, I don't want to do this. All this surfaced and kind of blew up back in October of, of 2020. He was broken. I think it was the first time he was like, I think I've screwed up. We were, we were not in a good place. I was not the husband to Bethany that I needed to be. I was not the dad to my kids that I needed to be. Christ was not first in our marriage. Dude Perfect was first in our marriage. See, they first live with the order of Dude Perfect was priority number one, which to him, that, that guy was his work and providing for his family and his, his success and his hobby, like all those things like were prioritized. But then after that family, and then after that God. Instead, towards the end, you, you see that they restructured to God, family, dude perfect, which has now like even prompted them to share the gospel with their audiences that come to see their shows like when they're on tour. Um, they share who Jesus is, which, which is a giant risk. And it's not like something every Christian like has to do that's a performer. They don't have to do that. Um, they're, the people are coming for the show that they've been able to put on on YouTube. But they decided that it's so important to them that they want to share that Jesus is number one to them. And even if, even if it's not for their fans, they still want to share that to them. When we reprioritize the gospel as number one, we basically, what we're doing is we're just declaring to enter into training to root ourselves in faith and, and have it be visible because, because it's going to be. But now I kind of want to shift gears a little bit from the message to two specific methods that you can start intentionally, wit or intentionally doing to witness. And it's not protesting or picketing or condemning or calling out other sins. If at all, those were rarely things Jesus did. When he was here, though, he wanted to build a kingdom of God, of new followers, people who you wouldn't expect to be followers. And how he did that was dinner. He had dinner with others. Matthew 10 alluded to Jesus encouraging his followers to do the same. Like Matthew 10 said, Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. I mean, if you're staying in someone's home, you gotta eat, right? You gotta eat. Well, when you eat, you talk and your life is more open and your habits and values are visible and you share and you're present like i think like the dinner table is like the one place where it's kind of like mostly taboo for people to have their phones out so like people are invested in each other so you like jesus and his disciples can witness by sharing a meal it's that simple 
But let's be real. That could be awkward too, right? And offensive or not, right? Um, I've had lots of dinner with people um, through church and things like that. And there can be some weird ones. There, there really can be some weird dinners. But Jesus shared meals with people, all different people, people that were drastically different than him. And he chose to make the best of it and just be him sharing who he was and what God was doing in his life no matter what. John Mark Homer, he stated this. He said, Jesus lived in a culture where a lot of people were hostile toward him. How did he invite them into his kingdom? One meal at a time. And because his, the gospel was number one to him, it kind of just like rubbed off of him. It flew out of him. People were seeing it from him. Like the life and the values of Jesus, uh, people would, could, they were noticeable to him. The life and the values of Jesus, people they could see it was coming from God because of what he was doing. Um, the words of the preaching of God's ways, they were shared because it was intertwined with his conversations. Uh, the Christian character of a person who, who forgives and is humble and is caring and loving is made evident because, because it was just like who he was. All of that can be seen in a dinner. Are you having people for dinner that are different than you? If not, you got to invite them. Like, that's where you need to start. And I think we all have someone we can do that for. Like, but who specifically is it for you? Is it inviting your neighbors over or your extended family or your coworker or that person at the Y or that person you just keep running into at school? Sure, you might not become best friends, but, but are you abiding in the command to be witnesses? Um, because when you invite them to dinner, you are abiding in that command to be witnesses and you do dinner with them. And that's training in faith. And what's even harder, actually, than inviting someone to come to dinner with you is actually going to someone else's house, which is actually like the thing they did in Matthew 10. Uh, and it's what Jesus did the majority of the time. He went to other people's house for dinner. Um, to host in the comfort of my home, like personally, it's fine. Like, this is easy. Like, I can offer my own drinks. I can have my own music playing. I can use my own private bathroom and just default to being in charge if things get weird. It's way more comfortable. But to go to someone else's house, yee, and have to do things like their way, their habits, yee. And then, and then you're saying, here, push Jesus on them when I'm there? I get that's maybe like what some of you are thinking. But there's, again, another amazing quote from that same book that defines it like this. We're witnesses, not salespeople. Our job is not to close the deal with the right technique, but simply to bear witness to our life with Jesus. You don't have to close the deal. You just live it. That to me is crazy freeing, isn't it? And if you flop, do as T. Swift says, Prophet T. Swift, shake it off. Or better yet, as Jesus says, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. So right now, who comes to mind for you that you need to start having dinner with to witness or share the gospel? Not, not to simply preach, but to show the values of God. Who comes to mind? Invite them to dinner. Or better yet, pull a Jesus and say like he did to a notorious sinner and tax collector, Zach, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today, is what he called out to someone at one point. For us, that comment maybe shouldn't be that direct. Like, that's kind of direct, right? Um, but maybe it could be spoken in a softer manner, but very similar. More like today, what it could look like is, I'd love to have dinner with you guys sometime. Can we set up a time? Or you should have us over to see your new house and set up, or that thing you just bought. Like, we'd love to see that. 
or let me know if we could buy or bring dinner over sometime. We'd love to just get to know you guys. Again, this is how Jesus told his disciples to witness. It was how Jesus personally changed and witnessed. Are you doing it? It seems so basic, right? But if it was good enough for Jesus and good enough for his disciples, it should be good enough for you. The second method that you can use to witness is sharing your story. Sharing your story. If someone were to come and ask you, like, why are you so positive in life? Where does your hope come from? What would you say? Like, play it out in your head right now for a second. Like, what would you say? I think a lot of you would say, like, if you're a Christian, you'd be like, Jesus. And then that'd be it, right? And if you responded to a question like that, it's like not wrong, but if you just responded with just Jesus, the person would be like, oh, okay, cool. End of conversation, right? But we want to live a life where people ask that and wonder and desire what is different about us, right? So when it is actually asked, we need to be ready to share why. And you don't have to have like the churchy Romans road figured out or a cross drawing like all planned and figured out in your mind or a salvation call or a specific like sinner's prayer that you are going to do with them like all planned out. You can. You can. It's not wrong. But you don't have to. You just simply have to share how the giving of your life to Jesus and the acceptance of his good news or the gospel as being number one in your life has changed you. Like for example, Someone asks you, where do you get your hope and your positivity from or your energy from? I'm like, what's, why are you so different? You could say, honestly, I get it from God. Like this relationship with God where I continually look to his ways for forgiveness and joy and combat, and combat worry. And like when I look to scripture and see that, it helps. It helps me. Or I'm a part of a church. I'm a part of a church where I've been able to make real faith decisions and, and like live out my faith and actually see like, life changed for good through that. Or honestly, I, I've started following God, and it's helped my marriage because I've never realized how essential forgiveness is in a marriage, nevertheless, me personally. And, like, I know that's how God is towards me. He forgives. You see, when you have the gospel as number one, and you start thinking about, like, why it's number one in your life, you have things like that to share. Kind of like what Matthew 10 says. Like, if you cling on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me or for Jesus, you will find it. That's an amazing verse because I want to find my life. And I think a lot of us do. So, like, when we actually take the time to choose the gospel and then reflect on our life and then, and then share it, we're might be just first discovering what our life is as well. We find it. There's a quote that's uh, from a missionary on why he shares about God all the time. And it says this, I must talk about him or I cannot keep him in my mind. I must give him away in order to have him. Do you see it? Like when you share about God and reflect, take that time to reflect and find what he's doing in your life, you find it. You find it. As I'm getting close to wrapping up, I want to remind you how we started today's sermon. You know a lot about me. <laughs> some random things and some not. You heard about like ice baths and books and chemics and run, I ran a marathon. There's actually a subtle joke. Um, 
uh, us marathon runners say, and it goes something like this. It says, how do you know someone has ran a marathon? They tell you. <laughs> it's true. And it's also true for a lot of things, right? And it could even be for Jesus. Of course, we want our actions to show Jesus, but what if instead of just talking about the things we like and do in life, but like, what if we talked about Jesus more or faith more? Or we are more intentional about witnessing it. Again, how you can start doing that today is make Jesus' gospel number one in your life and then have dinner and share your story. I'm going to pray that God prompts you and I to do one of those things this week, specifically dinner or give us an opportunity to share the good news. I'm going to pray right now that he equips us and presents us that opportunity. If you want one of those opportunities or ask God for one of those opportunities, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example of how to witness. Um, both Jesus and his disciples witnessed this way. of Doing dinner and sharing our story. Um, so God, I just pray that you have that happen. Give us an opportunity to invite that person. Make it easy, if, if possible, um, to come over to our house, or better yet, to say yes to going to their house. And then God, I, I pray that you give us an, an opportunity to share our story. Um, have our lives model the gospel as number one and give us an opportunity for someone to ask what's different about us so that we can share our story. God, I pray that you give us an opportunity like that this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.